What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So the ephod and the breastplate that Aaron was commanded to wear symbolized the work and the memorial of, the Lord Je- of what the Lord Jesus Christ brought before, brings before as the great high priest. And the picture of Aaron, oh, the picture of him, as he puts on that breastplate, we can see him in our mind's eyes. He's putting on that breastplate, he's lifting it over his head, stones and all, with the names of the Hebrew tribes. And as he's picking it up, he's gonna put it on, and he's looking at that breastplate, and he says, yep, there it is. There's the breastplate, I'm gonna put it on. That breastplate has got the names of the Jewish tribes, the Hebrew tribes on there. I'm gonna put it on my heart. And you know, as as he does that, he's making a decision. I will put that breastplate on. I'm not just gonna put it on mechanically. As I put it on, I'm taking on my heart, the love and I care for for the Jewish people, the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And that's a decision that God wants us to make also. God wants us, like Aaron, to say, I will count on me, God. I will remember your people in their lostness, your people in their rejection, your people as they despise you. As Aaron put that breastplate on, I will put on the breastplate. I will make the decision like Aaron did as well. And then we can see him, and he says to himself, as as he does that, I see the names, I take the welfare, on my heart, the welfare of the Jewish tribes on my heart with a care that will not let God go until he blesses them, as it says uh, along the lines of Genesis 32. And now we can see Aaron as he positions those two stones of the ephod on his shoulders. And as he does, he picks it up and he puts it there and he looks at them again and he sticks six names on this right on this one, and six names on this stone. And we see Aaron again positioning those stones and the names, and he says to himself, as I put these stones and the names on my shoulders, I promise that my life work will be for the reconciliation of the Jewish tribes, of the Hebrew tribes to God. I promise that. 
And now think of God who sees Aaron, the high priest, come before him and he's wearing these stones on his shoulders and he's wearing these stones on his breast. And think of God who looks on Aaron's shoulders and he sees the 12 names of the Hebrew tribes on Aaron's shoulders. And think of God who looks at Aaron's chest and he sees those 12 stones with each with a name of a Hebrew tribe engraved on it. And as God sees all those stones on his heart and on his shoulders, God says to himself, I see the stones. I see the engraved names of the Hebrew tribes of the Jewish people on Aaron the high priest's shoulder and over his heart. And I say again, as it says in verse 18, I say again, God says, I am the God of the Hebrews. I am their God. I'm the God of those Hebrew tribes. I'm the God of those people that are engraved on each shoulder. I'm the God of those people who are engraved over their heart. And to whom did God call himself? The God of the Hebrews? To Pharaoh. Why Pharaoh? Because Pharaoh was threatening their existence. He was afflicting the Jewish, Jewish people with the goal to destroy them. And it was in the face of that affliction and destruction of the Hebrews that God says, I choose to call myself now the God of the Hebrews. If you want to destroy them, you gotta go through me, because I'm their God, and I will stand to defend them as a man of war. And it was when the Hebrews were afflicted, afflicted like this that God said he was the God of the Hebrews. And when Saul of Tarsus was afflicting God's believers with the goal to destroy the believers that Saul was on this road to Damascus, that the Lord Jesus Christ met him there and said to him, in, in Acts 9, 4 through 5, he, Saul fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So here's Paul, he's afflicting the believers. He's threatening to destroy them. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Hebrews, now comes in and says, you are persecuting me, Saul. Why? I am the God of the believers. And Saul was shocked at the question, why are you persecuting me? And he asked, who are you? Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I shall obey him? Pharaoh is gonna learn that God is the God of the Hebrews. Saul learned that God is the God of the believers. And so Saul had just understood that God had said what God, that God had said that when Saul was persecuting believers, that God was saying to Saul, you're persecuting me. And so then Saul asked God, who are you? And, and, and he's asking, what was Saul asking God? God, who are you that feels the personal persecution when I persecute the believers? You know, Pharaoh, who is God who feels the personal persecution when I persecute the Hebrew tribes? In essence, God was saying to Saul the same thing he said to Pharaoh. To Pharaoh, he said in verse 18, I am the Lord God of the Hebrews. To Saul, in Acts 9, 5, he said, I am the Lord God of believers. So it was during this time when his believers were threatened that the Lord Jesus Christ associates himself as the God of believers by saying that he was being persecuted when believers were being persecuted by Saul. And it was during the time when the Hebrews were being threatened by Pharaoh that Jehovah Jesus associated himself or took on himself 
the title of the God, the Lord God of the Hebrews, and the truth of God most associating himself, most, in tight, most giving himself the title with his, of his own people is when they are afflicted. And that's what it means in Isaiah 63, 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's Isaiah 63, 9. And so it's during this time of the greatest afflictions of God's people that God most links himself to his people. And that's why he's known in Isaiah 63, 9 as the angel of his presence. And what we learn from this is that during those times when we are being the most afflicted, that's the time when we experience the sweet presence of the Lord Jesus Christ as he links himself to us. The principle is that during the times when God's people are being the most afflicted, Jehovah Jesus most associates himself, links himself with his people. So it was during the time when the Hebrews were the most afflicted that Jehovah Jesus took on this title, the God of the Hebrews. And during another time when the Hebrews were all were the most afflicted, or his people were most afflicted, that Jehovah Jesus took on himself a special title, a special title for himself, like he did on the Lord God of the Hebrews. It was when Jehovah Jesus was on the cross and he was fighting there to keep his people from being destroyed by their own personal sin. And his fight on the cross was a battle that cost him his life when he took on himself our sins. And just as Jehovah Jesus linked himself in Exodus 3.18 as the Lord God of the Hebrews, we see on the cross how again Jehovah Jesus linked himself by a title that's described in John 9, 19 through 20, where it says, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. So notice how in this passage, the sign that was put over this cross is called a title. And it was a title that Pilate chose, but really it was a title that the Lord Jesus Christ chose. And that title links himself to his people during the time of their greatest affliction. It looks like it's the greatest affliction for him. It's their greatest affliction. Why? Because that was the time when Satan was wanting to sweep the souls of men into hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ stops Satan's in his tracks and says, not so, no. I will take their sins on me, I will pay for their sins so that they can be spared, they can be saved. And so he chooses the title, the King of the Jews, as he battles for the Jews to save them from hell. And not just the Jews, but on the cross he battled for all those who believe into him to be their king. So before Pharaoh, Jehovah Jesus chooses his title, the Lord God of the Hebrews, and he, that he came to save the Hebrews and from, from Pharaoh, and before Satan on the cross, Jehovah Jesus chooses this title, the King of the Jews, as he comes to save his own people from their sins. And as we know in Galatians, if any man 
He says, if you believe, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, or spiritual Jews. So we've been studying the words that God told Moses to say to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And, and he says that, that they were to, you go on to the king of Egypt, Exodus 3.18, you say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. Now when we look at what God told Moses to say to the king of, uh, of Egypt, there's two parts that catch our attention. First, let us go, we beseech thee three days into the journey. So we look at these words and we say, God put in Moses' mouth to say to Pharaoh I, and ask the question. Now why would God want Moses to say, let us go? We pray you, we beseech you three days journey. And first of all, we see what Moses said to Pharaoh, first of all, wasn't not invented by Moses. So this is not Moses' idea. So if you don't like the way Moses asked for three days journey, and then he left for the whole time, talk to God about it, because don't blame Moses, because Moses was only instructed to do this in Exodus 3.18. The request for the Jewish people to take a three-day trip into the wilderness to sacrifice to God, it didn't originate with Moses. It was God who did that. It was God's direction. If a person says, I don't think that was honest of Moses to ask Pharaoh to take a three-day journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to God. After all, it was not Moses' intention to return to Egypt. That wasn't honest of Moses. Well, first of all, we see from verse 18, as I said, it's not Moses' idea. So he's not saying, Moses was only saying what God directed him to. So, see God about it. But in the second place, it has to be pointed out that God did not tell Moses to tell Pharaoh that they would return to Egypt after they made the sacrifice. What was said to Pharaoh was that he should let the Jewish people go because God had called them to go three days journey into the wilderness to do sacrifice. And it was never said that as soon as they had finished making the sacrifice that they were gonna come back to Egypt. So when God told Moses to say, let us go, God was teaching Moses something very important. He was teaching Moses, Moses, I want you to submit to authority. I want you to be the kind of person which is gentle. I want you to be the kind of person which is easy to be entreated. I want you to be the kind of person that shows by your position in life and how you respond to authority that you are a person that responds to authority. And it's true that God is a higher authority than Pharaoh, but that's not the point here. What is important is that by telling Moses to request permission from Pharaoh by saying, let us go, God was showing Moses that he should be in the mode of submitting to authority. Sometimes very hard for us to do, but that's the calling. That's what God called Moses to do. That's what God calls us to do, submit to authority. And notice in verse 18 how God mentors Moses with exactly what to say. They shall hearken to thy voice, thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. You shall say unto him, explain, the Lord God's met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee. Why? He's in the position. He's king of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Three days journey into the wilderness we may sacrifice. We can imagine how afraid Moses is. He's afraid to hear God. God, you want me to do what? Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. We can imagine how Moses felt when he heard God talk about the elders of Egypt 
and the king of, sorry, the elders of Israel and the king of Egypt, these are not exactly people I, I have a good track history with. I mean, when Moses heard God speak about the elders of Israel, Moses thought to himself that, that this was the people, these were the people that rejected him, that challenged his authority in Exodus 2.14 with the who made thee a prince and a judge over us. He didn't want to go back to them. So Moses is, is glad to hear the assurance from God, don't worry about that. They shall hearken to thy voice, verse 18. But God set Moses' heart at ease to know the elders of Israel were gonna accept Moses this time as their leader. But then when, when, when Moses hears God speak about the king of Egypt or Pharaoh, it's a terrifying words to Moses, they shall hearken to thy voice. Thou shall come, thou and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, slaves, leaders of the slaves, and, and you're gonna lead them, and you're gonna go to this iron-fisted Pharaoh and you're gonna say, let us go. So Moses hears that, he's gonna go to Pharaoh and we can imagine the paralyzing fear that must have gripped Moses. And when Pharaoh, now we remember in Exodus 2.15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled, he ran away from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. Now so God is now calling Moses to walk back, right back. Moses walked right back into the mouth of the lion, Pharaoh. The last time we saw Moses, he's running for his life from Pharaoh. And now God's calling Moses, go back into Egypt to Pharaoh. And what's interesting is what God did not tell Moses to say to Pharaoh. You know, God didn't say to, Mo to, to Moses, you go tell Pharaoh. Now look here, Pharaoh. You're nothing more than a heathen idolater who is the enemy of the one true and living God, and I'm the servant of God, so I don't have to listen to you. None of us has to listen to you. That would have been disrespectful. And that's not the mode that God was mentoring Moses to be in. And that's, that, that, that's what you and I are tempted to say. But that would be arrogance on Moses' part if he'd done that. And God hates arrogance in every way, shape, and form. Wasn't Pharaoh a God-defying ruler? Yes. Then how, then how was it that God taught Moses to behave submissively before this God-defying ruler? Notice how in verse 18, how God, as the mentor, he like takes Moses by the hand. He says, come with me, Moses. Let me put these words in your mouth. And let me tell you what to say. Say these words, Moses. Say, let us go, we beseech thee. With those words, Moses is instructing Moses Listen, Moses, respect the position that Pharaoh has. Honor the kingship of Pharaoh and humble yourself, Moses, before him as a king. Why? Why should Moses give any respect to Pharaoh? Why should Moses give any honor to Pharaoh? Why should Moses humble himself before Pharaoh? Because Moses is the servant of God, and Moses shows that he respects God when he respects Pharaoh. And Moses is a servant of God, and Moses shows that he honors God when he honors Pharaoh. And Moses is a servant of God, and Moses shows that he humbles himself before God when he humbles himself before Pharaoh. How should a be, be believer, how should we, how should we live? How should we, a believer, behave to a God-defying boss, a God-defying spouse, a God-defying government? Why should we? Give respect to a God-defying boss, spouse, government. Why should we honor a God-defying boss, spouse, government? Why should we humble ourselves before a God-defying boss, spouse, government? Why? 
Because like Moses, we are the servants of God. And we show that we respect and we honor God when we respect and honor that God-defying boss, spouse, government. Like Moses, we're the servants of God. We show that we humble ourselves before God when we humble ourselves before that God-defying boss, spouse, government. So when we read these words in verse 18, you shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews met with us, let us go, let us beseech thee. Those are instructions for us. They're to guide us of how we are to behave, how we should live with respect, with honor, with humility before authority. And God's gonna deal harshly with Pharaoh, we know that, but, but that's God's business. We just do what he calls us to do. And in this case here, God was saying to Moses, you, what I'm calling you to do, humbly ask for permission to leave. That's why we're instructed in Romans 12, 9. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, give place to God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So we see that God told Moses to ask Pharaoh for just the three days journey, and it was a gentle request. Next, we see here that, it's the, that it says this term. So you notice it very carefully. Very easy to skip over this. Very easy to read, oh yeah, the Lord our God. Don't, don't do that. This is so significant, and that's the way all the Bible is. But it says here, the Lord our God. That's the phrase in verse 18. This is a wonderful new title for God, the Lord our God. This is the first time in the Bible this wonderful title for God is used. And after this time, this phrase, this title, the Lord our God, is gonna be used over 85 times. But this title for God, the Lord our God, it's the heart here of something wonderful. It's the heart of the great Shema of Deuteronomy 6.4 where Moses called out to Israel, where Moses called out to Israel and said, Israel, listen, hear Shema, which is what Shema means. Shema Yisrael, hear, 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 O Israel. And it says, Adonai Eloheinu. Lord our God, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. But as famous as this Shema prayer is, and how I just said it, is not how it reads in the Hebrew. It doesn't say that. What it says in the Hebrew is, it says Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. It doesn't say Adonai Eloheinu. It says Yehovah Eloheinu, which is Jehovah, our God. It says Yehovah Echad, which is Jehovah is, uh, is one, the composite unity word, echad. So this verse is saying that Jehovah Jesus is one with his Father and one with, with the Holy Spirit. As he said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. In John 15, 26, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the Holy Spirit, he's called the comforter, he's called the spirit of truth, he's called as the one who proceeds from the Father. As he said in Matthew 10, 20, it's not you that speak, but the spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. See, that's the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of the Father, the spirit who comes from the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is one with the Father. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ is one with the spirit that proceeds from the Father, the spirit of the Father. So Deuteronomy 6.4, the famous Shema prayer among the Jewish people, it's the most recited prayer among Jewish people, but the amazing thing about this prayer is what it's actually saying, what it's actually revealing. 
with the Shema Yisrael, it's calling on all Jewish people to listen, not on the surface, but very carefully. Listen very carefully. Yehovah, they say Adonai, but Yehovah Eloheinu, it's revealing Jehovah Jesus is the revelation of our gods. Eloheinu is, is the word, our Elohim. Elohim is plural, so it's our gods. It's a plural word, which means literally our gods. Eloheinu means our gods. Eloheinu means that. So Yehovah Eloheinu is saying that the revelation of who our gods is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.